Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. And of course, make sure you follow our 24-7 Was365, this year in a leap year, 366 coverage of women's basketball all the time at High Post Hoops. And somebody who has given us quite a bit of stories to be writing about during this offseason joins me, the general manager and head coach of the Connecticut Sun, Kurt Miller, Kurt, are you enjoying the relative piece of not having a first-round pick, given everything that's gone on? Well, certainly excited about the acquisition of uh, Tawana Bonner mm-hmm. and really excited about uh, what she brings to the table for us. But, uh, you know, still doing our due diligence. Sometimes it's harder when you don't have a first-round pick and you're totally concentrating on your second-round pick because there's so un- so much uncertainty that you have to cast even a wider web. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like we're talking to players day and night and uh, doing our due diligence with their college coaches. And so it seems like uh, we're still working the phones like crazy, but uh, um, I'm, I'm a interested bystander now on the first round and how it's all going to play out. So I, you and your staff, are everywhere. I, I see you I see you guys all the time, all during the off season. And so I'm just wondering how many players you guys were able to see in person collectively and how deep your draft board is, whether that's any different in a year, like you said, where it, it's not about the first round, it's about the later picks and, and how you adjust accordingly. You know, it's it, it's the college background. I think Howard, for me, is it's recruit, 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 and you know those eight straight championships at Bowling Green. It was still about the next recruiting class, the next recruiting class, and and at Indiana, rebuilt in a hurry. So it, it's just my nature, and we get out and we we believe there's value in watching players in person and being able to see more than what's just on TV, but. Even when we're not out in person, you know, we, my staff has their devices open every night at 7 p.m. Eastern time to games on their phones or on their iPads or on the TV. So, you know, we, we were really aggressive in being out. At that, that, at that point, we still had two first-round picks. So right. uh, we were really aggressive being out this year watching games in person. And, and, uh, but it's how, how myself and my staff is wired. We're college people in our backgrounds, and we just love to get out and watch games in person. And then the depth of talent in this draft and what you're looking at. I mean, is your board a board of 50? Is your board a board of 75? Like, how, do you, how do you manage that relative to you know, what's going to be a 36-person draft with also keeping in mind the fact that your team comes back stacked and has relatively few roster spots? Yeah, we start with a, a an enormous board. If you you know if you know anything about me, we have a big board, and then we we manage it down. There's also a, a, an overlook at our top fifty, which includes international prospects. Mm-hmm. And so you know we have a board of fifty, and and we've been pretty good through the years that the thirty six picks um, you know usually have fallen within our top fifty. We haven't missed anyone. Uh, and then we got uh, a top 25, and, and that's important for right now our number 23 pick because right. we've looked at we would be happy with any of these 25. So we know if uh, even if every single person was taken um, in our top 50 leading up to our pick that we'd still have 
uh, the opportunity to choose from a couple players that we have, we evaluated and we targeted as our top 25. And that's kind of our approach. Uh, it's not necessarily a position this year of need. It's probably best available at 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll also be very interested by standards as it's playing out. If there's uh, even on draft day, if there's an opportunity to move up in the draft if someone's falling that we really value. Very similar to last year where we were willing to move Lexi Brown when we saw that Natisha Heidemann was available and we, we valued her and thought that she had a very bright future in our league. And, and so, we, you know, we'll, we'll approach the draft the same way. So we have a huge board. We have a, a middle-sized board, and then we have our top 25. And, again, I think this is a draft that has value in the second round. You could see someone being drafted 17 through 23 – having a, a longer career and maybe a more successful career than someone that might get drafted as high as eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that there's, you know, there's going to be some value picks in the second round. Essentially, the higher floor and the ability to help right away would both seem to dovetail with where you guys are in the arc of success. And, and you know, we've talked about this on, it feels like, an annual basis about the fact that you were positioned for 2019. You obviously got as close as it as is humanly possible to achieving that goal without doing it, you know, to get to that final game and to being right there in the final minutes in D.C. But you didn't seem, and you haven't seemed afraid, even last year, to bring in someone like Natisha and give Natisha uh, an opportunity to play meaningful minutes uh, in a championship drive. And so... As you think about 2020, where, again, you've put all your cards on the table with going and getting Bonner and making sure that this team has every tool necessary, are you hesitant to put more minutes into the hands of a rookie, or do you think there are players specifically in the second round who can help you in 2020? Yeah, there's a couple couple things within that question, mm-hmm. Howard. You know, really excited what we did last year and we want to build on it you know devastated we could have two minutes of that fourth quarter over with with a lead with just over six minutes to go in the game couldn't get to the finish line and win the championship but when we circled 2019 on the calendar um you know a lot of things went right for us and we built that chemistry and a culture of a a core group together now some things didn't always go right either you know unfortunately we lost Lasia Clarendon Unfortunately, when we made the trade for uh, Teresa Plaisance, uh her back flared up on her, and she was never to be able to be healthy mm-hmm. down that stretch run. And those would have been two veterans that would have really helped in that championship series. But because of the uh, injury to Lasia, it really you know helped Natisha Heidemann's growth and and really show that she's got a long term future in this league. So um, you know some things went perfect. And some things didn't. Now, we know that when we pushed our chips in in 2019 that we had eight free agents at the end of the year and we weren't going to be able to bring everybody back. But, right. uh, you know, excited, excited about that group. Those eight free agents earned over $510,000 in raises alone. So, you know, really, really, it, it's a testament to what can happen to every player on a roster off of a winning team. And, uh and a championship caliber team. So excited for all those guys and the, and the raises that they got going into this new year. In terms of the draft, 
you know, we we feel good about who's in our training camp and who's under contract right now. But there's still a roster spot or two to seal. And uh, so we're excited about, you know, what that looks like if we just stayed pat at 23 or if we tried to move up. Um, and we've targeted a lot of people. We've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of days and 10 days and coaches. And uh, we, we really like you know, some options that we think have a chance to be there when we're on the clock. When you think about what this team is built and how it's built, I, I think it's really interesting. You talked about the raises and the real impossibility of keeping it all together. And a lot of people wondered whether you'd have to blow it up after 2019, but you didn't. And what you've done with, and I'm curious your take about this, this is how I see it as an outsider, with adding Dewana Bonner and adding Brienne January is you've brought together a lot of the attributes that you had at the two and the three with Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland last year, but you've kind of reversed it in some significant ways, whether it's uh, Brienne January's uh, defensive presence and ability to shoot the three, now you're getting that more out of the two spot. And with Dewana Bonner, more of the playmaking that you typically got and more of the mid-range game from Courtney Williams now is coming out of the three spot. And I guess I wonder whether you looked at it in this way that, look, you guys had this elite, efficient offense last year and uh, a defense that got stops when you needed to get stops. Was it about filling skills as much as it was uh, the whole package of players, which obviously you can't argue against in either case? Yeah, we knew that it was going to be very, very difficult. Um, you know, just re-signing uh, Jones, which was the first priority, mm-hmm. um, and looking at, uh, you know, Courtney Williams' salary, looking at J.J.'s salary, looking at Shakina Strickland's salary that she got in Atlanta, um, you know, they, they made over $310,000 in raises. Well, the salary cap only went up 300000 so if we just wanted to bring those three out of the eight free agents back that we had, we couldn't have done it mm-hmm. with how much people were getting offered money. So, um, you know, we knew we knew there was going to be some changes and we were going to grow through it. I, I knew it was going to feel like my college days when you were going to lose a very, very talented draft class. But, you know, excited about the Juana's addition, like you said, on paper, arguably, maybe the best three, four, five now in the league. Yeah. Um, and the length of Dewan at the three, the engine and playmaking ability from the four with uh, AT, and then JJ's versatility and, and, and skill set is just off the charts. So, and then you still have your leader on and off the court in, in, in uh, Jasmine Thomas. So, you know, really excited about that. The whole was when we lost Courtney and uh, what, what was going to happen with that. And so, you know, bringing on a veteran uh, championship caliber player uh, in in Brian January was really important. Everybody talks about her defense and ability to still get out there and play defense, but around great players, what doesn't get talked about as much is she's led the entire league in three point percentage twice in her career, mm-hmm. and so she can she can continue to help us space the floor. And while she may not be a, a go-to player in terms of sh- shots and running as many plays as we ran for Courtney, she's certainly going to ha- stretch defenses. She's certainly going to create opportunities for not only herself but other people. And then, you know, it was really important for us is to 
sign um, Mesquita Lewis and, and bring KML back to the state of Connecticut mm-hmm. because, again, another person that's going to command spacing, going to pe- command shooting. And so what we were losing with great range and, and, and great three-point shooting in Shakina, we can get off the bench now instead in KML. So excited about some of the additions. Uh, you know, we re-signed Natisha Heideman, have a great respect for her and, and her future. Uh, and then the the person that really was huge for us with bringing back Connecticut native is Bria Holmes. You know, she left a lot of money on the table from some other teams, took less from us to stay in the state, to stay around family and friends. And we believe now a year off of her pregnancy is just going to continue to really grow. Um, and was so game huge game. in your postseason, yeah. too. I mean, Bria, Bria Holmes, yeah. game after game, uh, and, and I covered you guys live, so I remember it extremely well to see that at a key moment in the second quarter, at a key moment in the third quarter, she was the one making that key steal, grabbing that key rebound, hitting that shot that you guys needed that helped take you uh, all the way to the very last game of last season. Yeah, we're excited about you know what what looks to be an expanded role and and her ability um and her confidence her mm-hmm. confidence is at an all-time high if uh, you if you talk to her right now she she really believes that she can attack off the bounce against the best defenders in the league uh she's you know she's in a really really good place uh, feels valued and, and is excited about the opportunity to have an expanded role. I mean, you you also talked about KML and you talked about uh, Brienne January, who I agree with you. People people just sleep on her. If you if you think about all right, who is the comp in this league who's a plus plus defender with championship experience who shoots better than forty percent from three and can handle point guard as needed. Uh, there, there's just those, those players don't exist. You know that's a skill set that is impossible to replicate. But it also strikes me that when you and I have talked in the past about Courtney Williams, you you essentially moved away from your preferred offensive philosophy uh, with the heavy emphasis on at the rim and beyond the three point line in order to be flexible, in order to. Uh, best maximize the type of game that you had in Courtney Williams. And, you know, that's what a good coach does is to work with the players you've got. But it does seem to me that having KML and having Brian January allows you to get closer to, let's say, your platonic ideal of what offense ought to look like and also what offenses are best succeeding in this league when you think about how Washington won and how Seattle won the year before. And I'm wondering whether you see it that way and whether there are changes in even the amount that you're able to rely on the three-point shot that helps you get to a different place offensively in 2020. Yeah, without question. You know, the analytics will still tell you uh, threes and at the rim, threes mm-hmm. and in the paint. But, you know, Courtney Williams is one of the elite pull-up jump shooters in, in our game and one of the best ever, if you want to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like that, that, that you had to allow her to do that that way. But again, now analytics are, are, were exciting. Now you still need enough playmakers, uh, to create opportunities. And that's why I think there was such a great, uh, chemistry between Alyssa Thomas and a Shakina Strickland, because Shakina knew that Alyssa's ability to pass AT's ability to get in the paint and pass 
and be that distributing four player really made Shakina a better player. And AT needed Shakina because like people would, you know, collapse on her and she needed a great shooter to pass out. So they had a great, they, they worked really well together and I'm hoping the same chemistry builds with KML when she comes in off the bench, but exciting to, you know, have playmakers now, you know, when you lose a playmaker, you have to gain a playmaker. And we believe we gained one in Dewana Bonner who, who can create things not only for herself, but for her teammates. Mm-hmm. So the big thing is, is we just got to get on the practice floor and figure <laughs> out how these new pieces all work together. It's underrated with the lack of practice time, the lack of training camp that you have in this league. What happens when you have a core group together for a few years? Yeah. So we're going to have some speed bumps because we need some time to build some chemistry with this new group, but we're excited about the pieces. And as far as Alyssa goes, you know, she's been among your leaders in assist percentage out of the four spot while she's grabbing every available rebounding or every available rebound and scoring at an elevated rate. I mean, it's just crazy what she's able to do. And she's another one of these unicorns where there's no one else like her in this league and, and maybe in the history of the league. But I look at someone like, Candace Parker uh, was a comp you made during the playoffs last year to me uh, that Candace Parker had a year where she had an assist percentage north of 40%. She led the lead in assist percentage out of the four spot effectively for LA. I want to say it was back in 2009. Is that what she needs to be? Is that the next step for you guys uh, to succeed is that uh, Alyssa Thomas almost becomes your 1A playmaker? Without question, and and I believe it's already happened. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, when when she was emerging these last few years, I compared her, and, and you know that her and Candace were the best facilitating power forwards in the game. Yeah. And what they do from a, a standpoint of setting people up and their passing, and I really believe oh, Alyssa's taking the torch now. You know, At is is the best, and and uh, it's really important. In fact, uh, with the injury to Lasia Clarity, and there's at times where we actually ran uh, Alyssa Thomas as a true point guard. And so, you know, and, and we had some really fun lineups that way. So, you know, having Dewana Bonner and JJ on the floor and Alyssa facilitating, now you can play different types of guards with those guys. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to ride a lot um, success on how AT does for us. And it's not just her scoring or her defense. It's her facilitating. It's just so important to the way we play. And, and I guess to that end, when you talk about that next step, John Twelve had games during these playoffs where she wasn't just a good player, a great player. She was the best player on the floor against the very best that the WNBA had to offer. And I guess I wonder what those conversations were like as you're signing her to this extension, you know, that she, she jumps from her rookie deal to 185000 in 2020, and how, how you go about getting that JJ as often as possible. Yeah, it, 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 you know, she's, she's a freak, Howard. Like, she's just incredibly talented, and, but she's, she's laid back. You know, and, and doesn't, you know, she's a, a unbelievable superstar that doesn't have to pound her chest and tell everybody. Yeah. Um, I think the league, you know, just really, really loves her as a person, too, and she's so good for the league. You know, her, her next step is 
just at times even demanding the ball more. You know, there was frustration. That that game, too, when we won in Washington in the championship series when she's over 30 and 15 mm-hmm. um, was just an incredible. But she went and got some of her own touches on offensive rebounds. She just was bound to determine, I'm not getting as many touches as I want. I'm going to go get my own. And she's always capable of that. And sometimes it's, it's false security from a coaching standpoint because you get away with not running plays for her all the time because she can go get her own touches. But there, there is no doubt that the next step is for everyone on, on the court realizing that J.J. needs touches and needs to touch the ball more. Almost like Phoenix, when, when things start to go awry, you can always tell that they slow down just enough to make sure Griner gets a touch. Right. And you know, and JJ has different, you know, skill sets and she can play inside and out. But we've got to play through JJ more in the future. And that's the next step for our whole organization to understand, uh, and, and for JJ to embrace that and want that every single night. Uh, that that we have to play through her more. Well and you've got multiple former members of the Mercury who are skilled in doing just that with Griner, who are now going to be on your roster and being able to do it as well. But there's also, and, and we'd be remiss not to point out, there's also Jasmine Thomas, who I feel like we're not talking about in part because she's this given, because you know what you're getting from her as this elite two-way player uh, here. And she's coming up on what would be the final year of the deal that she has signed with you guys. But she is, right, the glue that holds the rest of this together in so many ways. So much the glue. There's no better way to explain it. Like, she's, you know, gives us the veteran presence. Now, I finally, you know, my, my bosses are finally going to be, you know, not tired of me talking about 30-year-olds on the roster. So uh, <laughs> Jasmine turned 30 in the playoffs last year with the addition of Dewana and, and Brianne January will actually go into training camp with three 30 plus year olds on our roster, but she was our maturity. She was, you know, she's the glue. She's the leader on and off the floor. She steps up and says the things that need to be said at times, but, but equally she's a leader by example. Um, and she comes and works every single day, but you know, she spearheads ball pressure in the defense, uh, you know, at that end of the floor. And then offensively, she gets us into everything and, and helps run the show. Now she may be asked to, uh, create a little bit more without a Courtney Williams and mm-hmm. create for herself and others. Uh, but again, she's the glue and, and such an important piece. And, and when she plays well through the years, we, we've been really tough to beat when she plays well. And I think that will continue to be the case. I, I will let her know that uh, you mentioned her as part of the elderly son. And so that'll be, I'm sure, well regarded. Well, just the last thing before uh, we jump off here you were this close to winning it all so much went right last year and you're right not everything went right and there were ways in which you could play around with this roster and you have and I just I know you now a while and I know what kind of competitor you are and I just wonder emotionally how are you handling the fact that you you've done all these things you've spent years getting this team into the right position you guys are, in many ways, the favorite or the co-favorite when you think about 
the WNBA in 2020. How are you managing the fact that now we don't know when that game is coming back? Yeah, that it's a little stressful for me, Howard. You know, I was so excited to get to camp and get working. It was like a, a jolt of energy uh, mm-hmm. while, you know, feels like it was a graduation. And, and when I walk in there and don't see Morgan Tuck and don't see Rachel Bannum yeah. and don't see – you know, some of our players that, that have been such a big part over the last four years, you know, it's kind of like the college coach graduating a, a big senior class, but we're so excited to work with the new pieces and get to work and, and how they all mesh together. And we also know that some of our moves were for immediate success and that you mentioned that we have a couple people coming off a of contract again. Yeah. Uh, we know that Brianne January and Dewana are, are in their thirties. And so, you know, we made calculated decisions this offseason to make a run, you know, continue the run that's possible. And uh, we're, we're in a window right now that we feel we're an upper half team. And we, if we can stay healthy and some things go right, you know, we, we have, you know, a team that can make a run. So, um, you know, these years were important. So uh, the, the thought of the season, um, you know, being – tremendously impacted by this virus has is, is been very stressful. And I, and I really am hopeful and, and stay very positive that uh, the leadership is doing an amazing job at the league office and that we're going to manage this and we're going to figure out a modified season uh, when, we're, when first and foremost the health and safety is, is the, you know, at the forefront of all this. But, yeah. you know, if, we, if that is the case, you know, I'm really excited because we're built for – to compete now with some of the best teams in the league. Well, you're, you're right. It's bigger than basketball, but yeah, I, I just, I, I know you're ready to get back out there and boy, am I excited to get back out there and cover you guys as well. So Kurt Miller, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Stay safe to everyone out there.